Hey guys, this is G and Christina, and you're listening to Radical Stepmoms, a podcast about the good, bad, and really ugly moments about raising a child that you didn't create. The two of us bonded over our stepmotherhood experiences, and we want our listeners to feel like you're sitting right here with us, drinking your beverage of choice, and going, yes, hell yes, me too. We get in-depth about the realities of co-parenting, the way stepmotherhood affects a marriage, the relationship with our stepkids, and most of all, navigating the relationship with ourselves. We get real and sometimes use profanity, so keep that in mind if you have little ears around. To make it simple, we'll always put the E for explicit in our title. So pour yourself a LaCroix, a glass of red, or whatever, and listen in on Radical Stepmoms. Hello, you are listening to Radical Stepmoms Podcast. This is Christina. And Gannett. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Welcome to episode 12, everyone. Yes, episode 12. And it's been a while. I was going to say, and it's been a long time. Um, what, a month or so at least? Yeah, at least. Uh, long enough where people were hounding me. <laughs> mm. Where are you? Are you okay? When are we getting? I appreciate that. We are here. We are yeah, recording. Yeah. Gannett is in her closet. I am. I'm hiding because I, I have a water bit. heater. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I had to find some sort of place where I'm not interrupted. So I'm in this closet. It's kind of warm, but I have my wine and we are ready to rock. Yeah. So, so we're kind of just going to roll with this. Um, what do you want to talk about, girly? Well, there's a lot <laughs> of things we can talk about. There are a lot of things we can talk about, but I guess let's, I mean, I think let's just maybe start in with how we've been doing um, within our own homes and what's been going on for us and mm-hmm. just, you know, take it from there. Yeah. I think, um, I think lately in the stepmom world, we're all kind of like, yeah, let's give disengagement a fucking try. <laughs> that sounds really good right about now. Last yeah. night, I'm just going to go in. I'm just going to start in with this story about last night. Okay. I like for some reason, just had my fill of being the keeper of the house and taking care of two kids and then like a grown ass man who should know (laughs) what he should be doing or what the family should be doing in the evenings. Like our evenings are just chaotic. And I just got so frustrated constantly being like, you need to be doing this right now. This is what I'm doing next. Everyone, are you doing this? Okay, PJs things need to be happening. And at one point I was like in the kitchen, like doing a bunch of shit. And my daughter was like trying to have my husband read her a book. And she just kept repeating herself so much so that I was like, did he like walk out of the room? Like, where'd he go? Mm -hmm. And I walk out and he's on the freaking couch on his phone. Oh goodness! And I'm like, Okay, I am in the kitchen, like, busting my ass and barking orders. Like, I do not want to be this person. And then when it comes to my stepson, who it's like, dude, I don't want, I, it's like, I don't know. Like, I mean, these feelings come in waves and I feel like they're, they're like cyclical. Like sometimes I'm like, I got this, like, everything's fine. And then all of a sudden I'm like, I've reached my limit. And so I'm trying to learn like that happy medium of like to not blow my top mm-hmm. and to 
calm down and communicate better. But yeah. I just had this like epiphany, like I am so, it's like, I'm letting go of the things I can't control. Right. But then the things that I can control that I do control, I'm resentful about. Mm-hmm. Like I shouldn't, I can try and control my nine-year-old stepson peeing himself at our house the best I can, but then I'm fucking resentful about that and that I don't want to be the one doing that. Mm-hmm. So yesterday it was like, I just looked at my husband and I'm like, I'm done doing this. I'm done yeah. being the person that's just constantly telling everyone what they need to be doing. It's exhausting. Yeah. And it, like, it's, what I talk about, like it's the emotional labor of it, which is a lot of women feel that. And like a societal expectation, women have been feeling this for decades. Mm -hmm. We're the ones that are supposed to handle the house. But then at the added layer of being a blended family and handling a kid that you didn't create, it's like looking at the dad going, dude, why do I have to tell you how to do this? Why do I have to tell you what he needs or what like even the simplest shit of like, you know, I'm, we're going to our family wedding in well, a week and I'm already thinking of like, Hey, he doesn't have any shoes to wear to the wedding reception. Mm-hmm. Like he doesn't, like he needs an outfit to, or not the wedding reception, the rehearsal. Oh yeah. And I'm like talking to my husband about it. Like, Hey, like, have you thought? And he's just looking at me like, yeah, sure. Whatever. And I'm like, Oh my God. <laughs> like, why don't you care? (laughs) What is it about? I I don't know. I'm just going to sound, I'm going to be real. I'm not going to sound anything. What is it about these men and these husbands that just think everything is going to magically happen? And from their lens, it does. It just magically happens. Because we do it. So much. And we do a lot. And you know, by nature, we're just a talented individuals, us women, and can, you know, multitask, and so they just, mm-hmm. I don't know, they just need us a lot. Yeah, I was venting to my mom about this exact thing, um, and she's like, well, Chris, you, uh, you spoiled him in the beginning, you showed him what you can do, and you were doing it all, and yeah. now he expects it, and I'm like, god damn it. Mm-hmm. Uh, she- preaching the word. That is so true. We just laid it right out there and we said, these are our abilities and what we are capable of. And they just, I mean, in addition to our, to us, they fell in love with what we, um, what we can handle, which is a lot of step parent. Yeah. And it's like, I am all about being a team and working on each other's strengths and weaknesses and, oh, I'm better at doing this and he's better at doing that and whatever. But when it feels severely like I'm pulling so much of the weight or it's like, I don't care if I'm really good at this. You can be better at this. You can try to do this. Like, it's not that hard. Learn a new trick, dude. Like, Mm -hmm. figure it out. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing. Going back to what you said about disengaging. I mean, that's the most, it's actually the best way to observe it is when you disengage, they're either going to step up or you're, or we're going to see a lot of where they're, you know, unable to, right? And so a lot of the time, so if we disengage enough, they, they have the skills. Now, yeah. are they going to be able to do it as efficiently as we are? Who knows? Some dads out there are rock stars and some need help. 
you know what I mean? But mm-hmm. um, sometimes we, we do need to take a step back. And let, let yeah, I think it also depends on like how long they were parenting before we came into the picture. Like mm-hmm. I met my stepson when he was three and my husband was getting a lot of help from his mom at the time. And so it was like, you know, he wasn't really that seasoned as a dad. And then I just come into the picture and I'm like, oh yeah, I've babysat for a really long time. And I like kids and I know how to do this. And you know, I, whatever. And he was just like, oh shit. Like, yeah, this is rad. When I know that other stepmoms are like coming into the situation where they're meeting a 13 year old or even like an 11 year old. And it's like, oh, you've been doing this for a decade. Like Mm-hmm. there's more, I'm not saying that they don't experience this, um, but it's, I feel like those issues are, those are the stepmoms that feel like they need to find their place and that they, you know, are observing their partner do a lot of the parenting and they may not agree with it. Um, mm-hmm. And so they're trying to navigate that, which I don't know. I mean, it's all hard shit but it's like I don't know we can stop and think what would be worse but I mean it's all challenging right um mm-hmm. sometimes I wish I came in when the child was a little bit older and you know that routine and that parenting relationship and all the things where you know we started off really early and mm-hmm. helped them navigate you know it would be nice to see what that would look like but that's yeah. not our story no. <laughs> No. What's going on with you? Tell me. Um, lots of things are going on, but in, in regards to parenting, I mean, it's been, um, or step parenting, it's been still the one week on, one week off situation. And I think that's going to take place until who knows what's going to happen with this, the school, mm, school yeah. and all that from the fall. So, um, so far, it's been working out. Um, and, and speaking of disengaging, I've been doing a lot of that, um, which I won't delve into significantly because there's a lot more around that. And I know we want to, we could do a whole episode on disengaging. Yeah, so we'll do that. <laughs> I will say this, yeah, but I will give you this, this little nugget, okay, of information that's been a win for me as a stepmom. Um, oh. I'll take it as a win. Some may some may not see it as a win, but for me and the journey that I've been on in this struggle, it's a win. I'm going to take it. Um, a few weeks back, well, at this point, it's probably a month and some change. Um, my husband, well, we have both been fed up with the lice issue. And, wow. you know, for those that have listened to previous episodes, this has been an ongoing challenge struggle for the last two and a half and more of mm-hmm. a time frame consistency around the lice issue has been a problem with that being said I put my foot down because I've just had it you know I've done everything I've spent hours I've spent thousands of dollars we've spent hours spent thousands of dollars um and so he uh my husband sent baby mama an email and basically gave her I don't know if you would call it an ultimatum but basically put his foot down and said listen we had an occurrence the week before we took care of it. You know, the, you know, the history behind all this, this entire, you know, he had to obviously give her reminders because mm-hmm. typically an email or text around that goes ignored. Um, 
And basically he said, this time, unless she gets a professional check or treatment prior to coming and you refuse that, I will bring her back to your house. Um, so I'm going to need to do that. Or he said, or if you're refusing that, then you can hang on to her a little bit longer. It's summertime. That's fine. Um, and maybe you need to really think about all this because uh, both myself and my wife have had enough and we can't do anymore. So at that point, right. I thought, we're going to see what happens. History shows she does has never not once taken her to a facility. For those of you that don't know, it costs $20 to have a professional check. Just 15, checking it, not even to treat it. Just checking it. Between $15 and $20. A treatment can cost anywhere from, and I'm speaking because I'm an expert at this, anywhere from $120 up to $250. And mm. it just depends. So let me speed up to that day. So this is now Sunday. She comes back on Sundays. That's tra transition days. And... Um, she dropped her off in the windows three to four p.m. of course and so she dropped her off right at four right a couple minutes before four and I remember I was in the living room and I saw her pull up and my husband was in the other room and I said hey you um just let you know Felix just pulled up and she um oops bleep that part <laughs> said her name. Okay. She, she's pulled up and she's getting dropped off and so he came out and, you know, um, she was kind of getting out of the car and he asked, you know, his daughter, hey, did, did you guys go to a place? Did you get checked? Thinking clearly she brought her back. So perhaps she did. And she just didn't respond to the email per usual. Right. And she just looked at him confused. And she knows she's very familiar about the facilities because right. she's yeah. often with us. And she's like, no, we didn't go anywhere. We didn't do anything. So at this point, Babe Mom was pulling off from the driveway. I almost said drive-through, <laughs> driveway. <laughs> and my husband's in his flip-flops, goes marching down. Oh, and shit. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. And she just looks at him like a deer caught in the headlights. And he goes, you received my email, right? And she just doesn't answer. He goes, did you or did you not take her to a facility to get checked? No, shakes her head. He goes, okay, hold on. Gets his daughter and says, in front of her, guess oh. what, honey? you get to spend an extra day with your mom because she's going to take you to get your head checked tomorrow or tonight. You'll spend the night and then she'll bring you back as soon as you get your head checked. Okay. And she's like, okay. And he looks at her and he says to her, I know you have $20. I know you can do this. I'm done. My wife is done. We're done with the life issue that continuously comes up because of the environment you're exposing her to. Oh We're my God. Can we just sit with that for a second? everyone applause like <laughs> that right there is consequences of a boundary anyone who's heard me talk about boundaries that is a consequence hell yep. fucking yeah good I job am. husband husband I, and i and i am witnessing this through the patio like this shit is really happening and uh, so long time coming what was that long time coming Oh, yes. Long. I've been waiting years for this moment because everything else hasn't worked. Nice emails, nice texts, reminders, pictures, evidence of how much we spent. A judge telling her in the courtroom that this is unacceptable yep. and a pure display of neglect. None of that resonated with her. Mm -hmm. So the next I day. Feel like, just, I feel like all stepmoms are, are, have that moment. Mm -hmm. that moment that they're waiting for either it's like 
the like either it's your partner stepping up to buy a mom either it's partner like laying down rules with the kids like every stepmom has a moment they are waiting for yeah. and that was yours <laughs> it was girl i was like what in the world so i just I, I i waited to see what would happen i i honestly thought she was gonna blow him off and say and the whole time when someone is speaking to you in that way you have nothing she literally said nothing and i can't hear because i'm on the patio but i asked him he goes she just looked and just kept looking forward like a deer caught in the headlights holding her steering wheel he's not raising his voice nothing he's very stern and matter of fact she goes she brings her back the next day with what a professional check uh. and receipt and so she says and you know we can't trust her as far as we throw her so she says she gets a check he says i would like a copy of the receipt she says, I paid pay, pay through PayPal. He goes, okay, PayPal also provides a receipt. So she <laughs> provided PayPal evidence. And that was that. And, you know, at that point I thought, okay, that's good. That's a win. But he has made it so that that is now a part of the deal. We've been doing it for a couple of years and then some. And he's like, it's your turn. The ball is in your court. I don't know how much I can, more I can reiterate that we're done. So all of that to say. You would think at this point, especially when she has financial investment now, that she would do preventative measures. Right. And not let her girl get lice. And, and it's, it's your stepdaughter, but she also has another daughter who mm -hmm. you've said that she doesn't take to treat or anything. So she's only treating one child, the one that yeah. she forced to treat yep. and then when she goes over there and hangs out with her sister she's just mm -hmm. being reinfected or re-invested yeah invested like yep it's like if you're paying all this money it like bitch it sucks doesn't it like you would think yeah. that she would do something to prevent it now absolutely and that's uh -huh. what baffles me it's a perfect point you brought up because the couple of times because now guys i've this has been the third time that she's taken her in her entire time of mm. this entire scenario. Three times has she taken her. So clearly he's, he's made himself very, very clear about this issue. But um, each time I ask my stepdaughter if she has her sister checked as well. I mean, because why not? I mean, they're, they're t during the week on a week off. I mean, during their week together, they are together the entire time. And sometimes um, they, they're sleeping in the same bed. Exactly. They're playing, they're, you know, everything is together. So, and that makes sense. They're sisters, of course, but no, she's not. And so it's just, it's so baffling to me. It's almost like she's been given this requirement by my husband because of his daughter, but this other child is still needing to get, you know, checked and, and have the same level of care around the same issue, but no she one's advocating. Anyone, she, yeah. I was just about to say, she doesn't have anyone advocating for her. Yeah. And, but it, it, why not? Like, you know, if just pay an extra 20 bucks, get it checked really fast. She's right there. She's sitting in the facility with you guys. It's not like you left her somewhere else. And what is she thinking? I mean, we're kind of getting off topic here, but like, <laughs> what, is she, what is she thinking? What is her sister thinking when, you know, your stepdaughter is getting her hair treated and it's like, oh, well, my mom doesn't want to pay me pay to have me not, you know, she's scratching. Oh you yeah. Comfortable absolutely and to add to that i would say that she's familiar because once upon a time when she was also under our care mm -hmm. she has experienced us taking her several times as well so she knows 
where she's at and what's happening. And also she's three years older than my stepdaughter. So she, you know, um, so anyways, like you said, we can go down a rabbit hole with this topic, but I just wanted to say that that's been a win. Um, mm -hmm. it's, it's a boundary that I have reminded my husband of many times, but I kind of got to my, my breaking point with it. And I just said, I no longer can deal with this issue. So I'm going to give it all to you. And he formulated his own plan as of recent and currently it's working. So I'm going to continue to take that as a win because I don't have to deal with anything when it comes to that in my home. So, yep. So yeah, it's good. It's good stuff. Oh, God, that's so got to feel good because I know that, um, I mean, you're a clean person. And when I say clean, y'all, I mean, <laughs> COVID has done her some. <laughs> I have <some> issues. <laughs> is very clean. She likes a clean home. She sanitizes, washes like she. So like of all the things that you could be dealing with, it's like that is. And so you, you were just tired of it being in your home and finally. Yeah. It affects you and it, it and it was even i mean to where my, my mental health i'm having dreams and nightmares and anxiety around this and it's like if i can foster a clean and healthy environment and give your child back without insects and her hygiene intact mm -hmm. all we're asking is for the same in return mm -hmm. especially when yeah. it's not from this home yeah. so so i just want to what that right there is is you communicated your needs to your partner in an effective way he heard that and then he went and established a boundary with bio mom that had very clear consequences mm -hmm. and change was had that is a huge stepmom win <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. you know so like he probably thought, why is he running behind my car? He was not playing that day, y'all. <laughs> you know, she was pissing herself. You know it. <laughs> so since we're on the topic of, I, what was it? Episode two, season one, license shit. Um, mm -hmm. I'm going to talk a little bit about the shit. And, okay. um, <laughs> you know, I hesitated even really bringing this up, but I just feel like this has been such a part of my journey and things that I have shared in the past. So it's like, let's just keep people informed and up to date on what's happening. So yeah. a couple, I think it was, I think around like week four or five now where I was like, you know what, here we go. My daughter is going to be three in September. She's ready to be potty trained. And I have, I think I shared it on stories. I have a lot of anxiety about potty training my daughter because I don't want to fuck it up to where she's nine years old and she has issues. So mm -hmm. I felt a lot of pressure. So I bought the book, Oh Crap Potty Training, I think is what it's called. And I'm just saying, if anyone has read that book, if you're going to potty train a child in the future, that's the book to get. So I'm a nerd. So I read it cover to cover and then I feel prepared That's to awesome. train my daughter. <laughs> and we are on, so I, I, I'm like, okay, cool. Diapers go out the window. Here we go. And it's like day two or three, I think it's day two of potty training. And my daughter is doing 
phenomenal. She was like, fuck yeah, I got this. I don't want those diapers. I want to pee in the potty. And it went so, okay. So second, second or third day of potty training, we don't have my stepson. I go down into his room and I'm putting clothes away or going through his clothes, I think, to get rid of clothes that were too small. And I'm like smelling shit. I'm smelling poop. And I'm like, all right, well, because he still wears pull-ups to bed, there is this trash can in his room and it's like an industrial fucking strength trash can because <laughs> I don't want to smell it and he's responsible for emptying it. And I'm just like, if you are going to wear pull-ups, you're going to take care of it all by yourself. Right. Yeah. So I'm like, what is that smell? And I can't find it. His trash can only had like one pull-up and it was like pee, which also doesn't smell good, but it wasn't poop. And all of a sudden I look in the corner of his room, Gannette, and it was like caveman paintings, but with shit. Oh my goodness. He had put shit all over his walls and on the dresser. I mean, it was everywhere. There were chunks of it on the floor, like not to get like totally grossing some people out, but it was disgusting. And I felt my blood pressure, like my heart was racing. I I wanted, I literally wanted to pack my shit, grab my daughter and fucking bail because I'm like, I am so like, this is beyond, this is beyond shitting yourself. This is something on a completely different level. Like from a clinical standpoint, this is trauma. Like everything in my book points to, he is trying to express himself in some way. Like there is some trauma behind this, like something is going on. So my husband at the time was outside doing yard work and I storm outside and I'm, oh, like, girl, I you I need you. I'm like, I need you to come with me. And he's just looking at me like, what is going on? And I don't even say anything. I just pray to pretty much drag his ass down into his room and I just point. (laughs) And my husband just looked at me and goes, are you fucking kidding me? And I go, I can't handle this. Like, this is unreal. I have shit on my wall. Wow. Wow. So we were getting him the next day. And so I told my husband, I was like, I'm not having this conversation with him. I have had countless conversations with him my stepson about the potty stuff and asking him why he, this kid will choose to poop in his pool up. Like while he's laying in bed, like he's completely awake. He's completely Mm -hmm. aware the sensitization of it. Like he doesn't care. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter that he's all soiled. Doesn't matter. So I'm like, I'm tired of having these conversations with him. You need to handle this. So the night that my husband is talking to him, My daughter, a little over two and a half years old, poops in the potty all by herself. I am in the kitchen doing dishes and my daughter is like, mama, I go potty, I go potty. And I'm like, okay, honey, go potty. And I see her little butt run across the room into the bathroom and she is in there for like a couple minutes. And I'm like, honey, are you okay? And she goes, mama, I pooped. And it was like, (laughs) it was like, the gods were looking down on me and were like, 
you know what, chick? I'm going to cut you some slack here. Yeah. I'm going to give you a kid that will potty train herself, essentially, because you are cleaning shit off the wall. Like, yeah. oh, my God. So You needed that mom win. Oh, my God. It, yeah. So my husband ended up talking to him, and apparently he was too scared. Because what the consequences had been is, dude, if you don't, like, the wet, pull-ups is a whole other issue when you're choosing to poop in a pull-up and you know so when he was doing that the consequence was like hey no video games so based upon that conversation my husband gathered that he was too scared to tell us that he pooped himself and so he was trying to hide it which the sophistication of that is ridiculous because it's like you can't hide that for very long dude like that's not a long-term solution to you shitting in your pull-up yeah. Um, but what's overall with this whole thing is it just back to like all the stepmoms who feel like they are trying to fix what was broken before they entered into the picture. Mm -hmm. I am reading this potty training book and I am literally reading in black and white word by word, everything my husband and bio mom did wrong in potty mm -hmm. training this child. Wow. They were so inconsistent. And even though my husband was trying to be consistent and he was trying to do the right things and all that, like he would every week send him back over to his mom. And I remember when I was in the, like when I first came, like he would show up with, with the diaper on and it's like, no dude, we're not doing diapers. And everything in that book is like, you get rid of the diapers, you don't put them back on. Like right. pull-ups are the devil, like do not do them. And then if you are not potty training or potty trained by three and a half, you're doomed. Mm -hmm. Like it's like all in this book. And I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> like wow. this is why. And here I am trying to potty train a nine-year-old yeah. and a almost three-year-old is like, hey mama, I got this, like cool. And I'm yeah. like, okay, this is just what, this is what consistency does. Mm -hmm. And I feel so like, I, I, it's hard because I'm torn. Like I'm resentful and I'm upset and I'm frustrated and all this stuff. But at the same time, it's like so much of it isn't his fault. Right. He was not given proper, you know, care mm -hmm. way back when. And we're still not. And then my husband last night, because we're doing the nighttime training right now for her. He was like, you know, what's going to happen is we're going to end up doing night train training for him at the same time and trying to get him up every night to go to the bathroom. And mm. I, I very quickly was like, well, I'm not doing both. Like both of us are going to get up and I'll go to her and you go do him. And sure. he was like, he's like, well, that doesn't make sense. Why would we both get up and lose sleep? And I'm just wanted, I just looked at him and go, because <laughs> I ain't fixing the shit you broke. Right. Like, and the other question is, if you guys do that on your end, is Biomom going to do that? Because that will quickly un become unraveled if she's not on board mm -hmm. and, you know, doing and implementing the same interventions that you guys are trying to do. I mean, and we tried it. We tried it two and a half years ago. And she was like, oh, yeah, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. And then sure enough, she finally was like, yeah, no, I haven't been doing that. And literally said, quote, it's really hard for me to get up in the middle of the night. 
Like, um, yeah, bitch. I agree. I don't like it, it either. For every single person who just wants to get up all willy nilly at one in the morning and four in the morning and yeah, all things. It's it is yeah. for the outcome, which is training your child the appropriate way. I mean, I've never done, I've never done so, but it sounds like this book gave you a lot of insight on yeah on these necessary steps. And did you share that with your husband, or was he reading oh, yeah. it? Well, and was he having like some aha moments or like some oh shit moments? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, especially when I showed him the line that was like, pull-ups are the devil. Never use pull-ups. Pull-ups are just a way for diaper companies to make money. <laughs> Do not use them. And he was just like, oh shit. And then, um, oh God, what was I going to say? Crap, I don't remember. Um... But it's, it's, yeah, the consistency of it. I'm just like, I, I, I don't, I don't know. So anyway, um, I don't know when we are going to tackle that, but yeah, I was gonna say, you guys um, as, as of right now, our kiddo knows to um, not put shit on the wall and that that is not an appropriate solution. Mm -hmm. um, Can I just yeah. ask? I, I just, I, I want to ask, and, and people might be curious, but was he able to explain or articulate why the wall was involved? I mean, so, I mean, yeah, do you know, leaving the, the pull-ups in there and not taking out the trash is one thing, but I mean, just taking it to that level. Yeah. Um, like I said, uh, his thought process is not very sophisticated. Um, mm -hmm. but from what I gather, he realized that he shit in his pull-up, put his took his pull-up off, still had debris on him. And instead of like going upstairs, going to the bathroom, I mean, he even has a bathroom on his, like it's, there's bathrooms everywhere. And yeah. instead of doing that, he didn't like look for a wipe or anything. And he just used his hand oh, and wow. was trying to get it off his hand. That's, that's what I, what I gather. But mm -hmm. I guess it's like all in all, you know, given where my mind went as far as trauma, like I don't completely rule that out. Mm -hmm. uh, but there, cause there's so much of his life that we don't know when he's with his mother. Um, right. And I, she's has some shady boyfriends, but um, like that's what, so if he can, it, I'm glad that he was able to express at least that kind of motivation because yeah. the alternative is, yeah. So um, I remembered what I was going to say again, talking about bio moms and their motivation for change mm -hmm. with yours it's like there's money invested now maybe you should have some preventative me measures yeah i don't understand why our bio mom or i don't know not understand why yeah i want to know what mm -hmm. she explains to her boyfriends mm. she's like yeah let's all spend the night at your house hey put your pull up on. And here's the other thing in while potty training my daughter, mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm like, Nora, go put your, um, go put your PJs on and she'll go put her PJs on. I say, Hey buddy, go put your PJs and a pull up on. Like I have to tell him pull up. And one time I just said, kids, go put your PJs on. And I shit you not, the nine-year-old looks at me and goes, and my diaper too? Oh, baby. He literally called it a diaper for one. And then wow. was like, 
hey, you forgot to tell me to put that on. Like, yeah. no, no shame, which I don't want him to feel shame, but I kind of do, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, well, it's just- Something has to, and I want to say something has to motivate him, but it sounds like the problem in this equation is the bio mom, because you guys have tried, you've attempted this, she's not consistent, and she's okay. And at what point does she think about as her son approaches 10 years old, right? So now he's going to become an adolescent. Where, where does that lead from just that's what's happening to this is an actual problem. Yeah. And we yeah. need to take necessary steps, you know? Um, yeah. Well, she's in a relationship now, so if hopefully that's something that helps motivate her, because I imagine that will create some sort of area where she'll have to explain. I imagine your partner might say to you, hey, your son is pretty grown, and yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what it takes for her, but if it takes someone else in her life romantically to bring that up, because what you guys are saying is not working. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's um, unreal. And um, in a lot of ways, he's been really uh, great with his sister on motivating her. Like, we'll be outside and, you know, we have like property and stuff. So we're quite a ways away from the bathroom. And mm-hmm. she'll be like, Mama, I have to go potty. And I'm like, okay, honey, let's go. And he'll be like, okay, come on, let's go. Let's run. And so like, he'll race her to get to the bathroom faster. And it's like, that's awesome. Like you're being super helpful. Right. Are you putting like the dots together? Are you connecting the dots and that like your almost three-year-old sister is more potty trained than you are? Like, mm-hmm. I, yeah, it's, it's, it's a weird mix of emotions to feel like excited, but resentful and like compassionate, but resentful. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so many feelings, so many feelings. frustration. I mean, I can't imagine how frustrating that is. Um, yeah, I mean, and I, you know, I would just hope that he, he probably would feel good too, knowing that he could get up and use the restroom, you know, he just needs right. that extra yeah. support, and extra care, but I mean, you can't do it alone. It's like, it's like you said, we can't repair something and, you know, that was damaged or that wasn't done this way or that way before. We can help that. We can try and remedy it, but we can't, can't yeah. do it alone. Can't yeah. Do it on your, and obviously, know? I mean, we've been, I mean, the fact that, again, that we are still talking about the same two topics mm-hmm. a year after that second, I mean, we've been dealing with this for years. Yeah. And that's, I think, what adds to the frustration of stepmoms is it's like, when is there going to be relief? When is there going to be a time where these issues are no longer an issue? Like, mm-hmm. I know stepmoms are always asking, like, does it get easier? And I feel like the, the answer is always, it doesn't get easier. It just changes. Right. But for us <laughs> and us too particular, it's like, it's not fucking changing. It's not even changing. It's the same shit. Yeah. Yep. Yep. It's the same thing over and over again. So when is there going to be that change yeah. where I, cause I would love to be pissed off and grossed out or frustrated or resentful about something else. Yeah. Like, please. <laughs> yep. I know. I know. Me too. And I think about that question and I'm, you know, I I say to myself, it'll probably be when she's an adolescent because at that point, can she navigate her own hair and, you know, just hygiene better or just know, and I think she's going to be so informed about this topic in particular that it might be soon. 
But I tell my husband, I look at him, I'm like, you know, this is kind of the deal until she's like, I don't know, 10 or 11, where she can actually say, no, I'm not going to be in, in this area or I'm not going to sleep with that person. You know what I mean? Just to prepare herself from not, for not getting infested. That's a long time from now. Yeah. And nobody got time to be dealing with this for another five years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and so then that's when we're in the position of, okay, I'm emotionally capped out. I have to disengage. Like, I feel like that that's what we are pushed to where it's, that's the assessment that we end up making is, okay, I've put forth all this effort. I'm in it. I'm trying to help you. I want to support you through this. I want to do all this stuff. I am an active stepmom. And then all of a sudden it's like, okay, I'm doing all this. And one, I'm not getting appreciated. One, I don't feel respected. One, I'm getting bio mom hate. Uh, I'm, I'm, nothing's changing no matter what. Kids still hate me, like all this stuff. And it's like, my cup is fucking empty. And then that's when we're pushed to be like, hey, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to love you, support you, be with you, but I need to do it in a different way. And then, you know, we get the pushback from partners of like, but wait, you're changing the status quo? Like, but this has gotten really comfortable for me. (laughs) Well, well, life is about change. (laughs) So, you know, we we have to acclimate to that and why why don't they? Yeah. Yep. There's always something that we're having to adjust to. And it's like, you're going to adjust to me disengaging because I have to self-preservation really at the end of the day hmm you know yeah so, oh my god well I'm sorry about that girl and I hope yeah. I'm hoping changes for you guys I'm not holding my breath on this whole her taking her to lice facilities but I will take it as a win and that's how important it is to us you know what I mean like even the smallest things and in, in, uh in if anything it's a it's a it's a big uh kudos to your husband for laying down the hammer. I mean, him running behind the car and flip-flops is a big deal. Mm-hmm. And I said to him, <laughs> I told him, I said, I think that is the first time I have seen you. He deals with it differently, but the first time I have seen you be on the front lines and advocating, not even just for her, for my stepdaughter, but for this home yep. and those that reside in it. You know what I mean? That's and, a and love I, language right there. That's yes. a love language. <laughs> like, I was like, yes, I love this. I'm just, I feel so full. My bucket is full right uh-huh. now. I'm so pleased with him. And More not to mention, it's sexy. When a oh, man boxes yeah. up, oh, I'm like, yes, give me all of that. Get naked, baby. <laughs> <laughs> yes, when you're standing up for, for, you know, for us as a family, for me, for what we've been fighting for, for your daughter. I mean, like, really, it was just like, yeah. That's it, it was good, and yeah. I, I I hope it, he keeps it up. And he said, I don't plan on anything changing because I think we can both say that we're done with this issue. Yep, so we'll be hopeful for the future on that topic, guys. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's our little update. Um, so that's what's happening with us uh, on a local level. <laughs> but um, we did want to, you know, we are a platform. Um, Obviously, we are a social media platform. We have our podcast, we have our Instagram. And if you are active on our Instagram, you are aware um, that we post about other things besides uh, specific blended family stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. It's no 
Um, yeah, it's, we are more than just stepmoms and the things that are happening in the world impact us yeah. and impact our families. And we feel that having the platform that we do gives us the opportunity to discuss the other things that are important to us as well. And, mm -hmm. um, yeah, what I'm talking about obviously is, uh, black lives matter Black Lives and, matter. and all of the, the things that are happening to change the systems and to bring awareness and education to the oppression and our historical oppression and our systemic oppression, everything. Um, yeah. This has been a conversation that has been had over and over and over again. And I feel compelled with our platform to keep that momentum going and mm -hmm. to be a part of that change and to give voice to people of color um, and to use the privilege that I have been given in this life and use it to better other people and to um, move things forward. So we wanted to talk about that because it has been heavy on our hearts. And if you've you know paid attention to our Instagram and stuff, um, I have been very vocal in my stance in that. And unfortunately, that has resulted in losing some followers, mm -hmm. which to me, so be it. And I'm going to continue talking about it and continue sharing things and educating because um, it needs to happen. And I wish that those people would be open to having more conversation about it. I this is the time to have those hard talks. This is the time to have those hard conversations. This is the time to challenge what your beliefs are and to see a different perspective and to learn and unlearn and all of that. So yeah. Um I I just I let's talk about that, Gannette. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, I'm just going to add to what you, you said so eloquently, um, you know, this platform, this, the, the Instagram, the social media platform, you know, I've discussed this before, um, is something that, you know, I, I always, I always give accolades to um, Christina on this because the social media portion of this, we're podcasts, we're partner, we're podcast partners, we're friends, but when it comes to social media piece, that's just not me. And I just, I, I don't know how to navigate that. I'm, 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 it's weird. I'm in my thirties, but I, I feel like I'm in my fifties half the time. That's not an excuse, but it's to create understanding. So I, as a black woman and, and during this movement and during this cry for racial justice that we're going through right now and that we have been going through for decades and years and all of this, um, is to appreciate my partner in this and, you know, Christina, all the other platforms and, and uh, individuals that have their, their pages that are using their voices to not only inform and educate, um, to hold people accountable to, you know, keep the conversation going because nowadays, you know, I feel like, you know, I feel disappointed in myself for not being, you know, social media savvy, but I also know that there are other ways that I am getting my message across the way I'm experiencing this, experiencing this as a black woman is, I'm doing it in my own way. However, social media is, is 
how communication happens nowadays in our world. And I think that, um, you know, you've done, Christina, you've done an amazing job capturing the beliefs, um, the history, the education, the information that is needed to represent Black lives, uh, to advocate for Black lives mattering and, and people of color and all of the injustice and, and the social issues that we want people to know about and people, people to have conversations about, you know? So, um, you know, I just wanted to say that piece there that I think that um, what you're doing, what you have done, it just, it captures it for the both of us. You are excellent at what you do and, um, you know, you're speaking for the both of us. I am the black woman in this uh, in this duo, in this dyad relationship, but um, I trust that you have um, you have my back. You have my best interest. Yeah. It's not just me, right? It's for everyone that looks like me. Everyone that is a person of color that has dealt with this is dealing with this, and hopefully, as we continue to navigate this, you know, we'll deal with it in better ways than we have been. But um, I mean, the conversation is, it starts here. It starts within our homes. It starts with social media and all this stuff because this is this is how people are conversing, you know. Um, so for like you said, for those that are um, not following the page anymore and things like that, I mean, um, I wish for them a change of heart. I wish for them uh, more open mindedness, but I also say to them, bye. Mm -hmm. Yep. If you stand for what we stand for. Um, then this isn't the space for you. This isn't the page for you. And we're stepmoms, but we are stepmoms. Uh, we're individuals before stepmoms. And there's more to us. And we're um, social workers. Yes. <laughs> yes. Like, that's the other thing. Like, y'all, if you, I mean, you know, like, it's just, I'm always, we are always going to be true to who we are and, and what we do. And we don't just stop ourselves as stepmoms and we need to only talk about blended family life and stuff like this mm -hmm. what is happening around us and it is happening in our homes and and mm -hmm. we have to look within and and figure out where we can you know make a change and if you can't give money like you know buy a book and read it and and educate yourself and and I think you know that's that's what is is being missed i when you know people talk off platform or aren't sticking to you know their their agenda or whether you know it, it's we're all connected and, mm -hmm. and that needs to be seen and respected mm -hmm. absolutely and it's like we said i mean not only are we wanting to reach the people um outside of our circle but it's going to start with those within our circle. And that's within our families, conversations with, you know, our family members, our close friends. I mean, this is the time where um, a lot of dialogue is happening. A lot of revelations are happening. A lot of arguments are happening. A lot of pushback. You know what I mean? We are in a very uh, critical time. We have already been in a critical time. But now, thanks to social media, thanks to all of these, you know, avenues where media, where the media can, you know, focus on this, on these issues firsthand and within minutes, um, it's become, it's become larger, you know? Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, I think you and I can speak to some of the things that we have 
we have done or are doing with our kids, you know, within our home and, and within our spouses. And, um, you know, I mean, I, I can speak, I can speak a, a, a lot to the, the steps that I take. I mean, and then Christina, let me know kind of, you know, what your thoughts are around this or what, yeah, doing something similar with your daughter and your stepson. But I mean, my, my stepdaughter is a biracial child uh, biracial by biracial. I mean, she is half native American. Um, and then my husband is half, um, his, his father's family's from Mexico and then his mother's Caucasian. So she's half native American, a quarter Hispanic and a quarter Caucasian, whatever, however that Caucasian is identified, you know, mm -hmm. I'm not quite sure. With that yeah. being said, she's a biracial child mm -hmm. with a black stepmom. And, um, more specifically, one that identifies as, um, I mean, I'm second generation African. My parents were immigrants to the United States in the 80s. I'm very immersed in my culture. And I began the conversation with her, not in a formal way, but in an informal way from the very beginning. When she was two and a half years old, I made sure that she knew um, and appreciated the differences, whether it be my hair, whether it be that I was several shades darker than her, whether it be um, the food I was cooking, um, the music I was listening to, the Your friends coffee. that she the coffee, Your the traditional coffee mm -hmm. that I roast weekly, um, you know, and she would, she, half of the time she wouldn't ask about it, but I would tell her. And mm -hmm. it was just to include her in this process of me being an African-American woman and saying, hey, listen, I'm a, I'm a lot different than you on the outside right? I look very different. Uh, we have different attributes, but I want you to know that um, it's okay that we're different because, you know, you love me, I love you. And so here we are, and we're going to learn to, I'm going to teach you and we're going to learn together, you know? And so um, that that's honestly been my approach from the beginning is just slowly introducing her to this idea um, and this culture. And believe it or not, at six and a half years old, this little girl knows a lot, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Um, based on just what I'm teaching her in the home. And part of the time, I, I forget that it's, um, it's not necessarily a plan. It's unintentional, but it is um, definitely at the same time intentional. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I want her to know like that her stepmom is a black woman. Mm -hmm. And it's not, I mean, I, I feel like it's, it's also something that you're doing in a way to connect her with you just as a person. And that those are things that are who you are and your identity and, and just, you know, what oozes out of you. And it, it, you know, it's so different than if you were to be like, here, let's read a book about, you know, whatever, but you're just like, this is who I am. This is the way I do my hair. This is what I have to do to take care of my hair. This is coffee and what it means to you know it's 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 a beautiful way to connect with her and to have her see who you are as Gannett mm -hmm. you know? yeah and just making sure that she also is you know proud of and knows and understands who she is as a as she grows into a woman of color 
uh, she yeah. identifies as a, a Native American woman or Hispanic woman or a biracial woman. However, she chooses to identify, she should be proud of that. So I, I can't speak to um, the Native American piece because that's kind of her mom's role. I can, I can do the best I can with the information that I have um, and, you know, the school and the, you know, the cultural events that she goes to there. But I definitely encourage her to know and understand that she is a quarter Latina. So what does that mean? And I encourage my husband to talk about that. What does that mean for her? When you hear gran your grandfather speaking in Spanish, you know, that's part of you, you know? And so mm -hmm. I want her to just embrace. And I think kids too, it's so important and critical at a young age because they're so impressionable. You know, mm -hmm. they're, they're a blank canvas and we get to paint that for them. We get to help paint that for them, right? And so the information we give them in the very beginning is how they're going to see the world. Mm -hmm. which is it's a fucking colorful world <laughs> yes, you know is. so yeah um yeah I, I want you to we've we've talked briefly will you um i want to hear about all right so let's talk blah, 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 blah. hold on <laughs> <laughs> so going back to talking about these like hard conversations and you know i I obviously am a white chick and you know when this all really came to scene I again felt compelled to use the platform in a specific way and I just wanted to briefly you know explain my discomfort because I we're at being you end up we ended up being tagged in certain you know, posts because we are a podcast and you are a woman and you are being represented that way. And, but then I was the white face of our social media. And I was like, kind of uncomfortable with that in that, like, you know, getting new followers for people who are like, yes, I want to support, you know, people of color and I want to hear from, you know, and then it's just this white chick on stories all the time. Like I felt, I think I did a couple times where I needed to like say, hey, new people, glad you're here. I'm Christina. Like this is, I'm the one that runs our, Gannette is my, you know, partner and all that. So it was, it's an interesting thing to, to, so thank you for, for, you know, your kind words and how I've, you know, approached everything and, and the things that I've shared. Um, but it's, you know, I think what I, what I love about what's happening right now are everyone who is open mm -hmm. is learning new things and is sitting in the discomfort and is challenging the things that they thought. And even the people that are like, I'm not racist are being like, oh, mm -hmm. okay. And then what I feel like is so, I'm, I'm, tangenting for a second but what I feel like is so important because again this conversation is not new this conversation is happening forever the yeah. issue here is people of color are fucking tired of having this conversation over and over again people are dying people continue to be to be killed because of police police brutality or you know the social just all that stuff and Yes, there has been advances, but we mm -hmm. aren't where we need to be. No. And we're at a 
peak now where we need to use this momentum. And so it is, um, oh, what I was gonna say is what's different right now, one thing that I've noticed is different in what has happened in the past because BLM is not new. They've been around since 2016, 2017. And what I'm seeing that is different is the definition or the, the discrepancy between racism mm -hmm. and being a racist. Mm -hmm. And that I think is, is beautiful about what's happening right now. And that people respond defensively when they feel they're being called a racist. Right. But it's, it, we're changing the semantics of it mm -hmm. by saying, you don't have to be racist, but there is racism. It mm -hmm. is a systemic thing that mm -hmm. has created these racists, quote, mm -hmm. and unquote. And that let's look not individually, but look at the system as a whole. And mm -hmm. this particular movement is focusing on police brutality, um, obviously because of George Floyd and the many other people that have lost their lives to aggressive police officers for no fucking reason. Right. I digress. <laughs> so I just want to like point out that, that it's like, I, I am seeing things differently and the things that I'm doing in my home, like I, I mean, I buy, I buy books on purpose. Mm -hmm. So my daughter sees people that don't look like her mm -hmm. and I introduce her to different movies or to different foods or to different, you know, like my dad is Hispanic. I'm half like, you wouldn't know that because I'm super fucking white, but my maiden name is Martinez. Mm -hmm. So I've been <laughs> racially profiled my entire life because one, people always expected me to speak Spanish and I don't. And then all through college, for some reason, Comcast would sell, would send me junk mail that was like, do you want all the Spanish channels? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I don't speak Spanish. Or I'd show up to an interview and they would see me, this white girl, and they're like, oh, like it's, you know, I is seeing racism in a different way and like that, I don't know, I'm, I'm tangenting and going off here, but I'm just saying that it is, I feel like this is such an important time mm -hmm. to look within yourself and to, especially as a white person, to really look around and see what your privileges are, how you've benefited from the color of your skin mm -hmm. and, and looking at how you see the world and that just because you see the world in a certain way, or just because you believe something doesn't mean you're necessarily racist. Right. It means that the system that you have been accustomed to and benefited from the systems are working exactly with the way that they were supposed to work. Right. But they're fucked up and they shouldn't be working that way. Mm -hmm. And that's what all this is about. So I, th I think it's just people get really defensive. And I, and I think that's overall my point here in that people get defensive and want to fight their perspective and point of view and say that they're not privileged and all this stuff. And it's like, that's, I get that. 
-hmm. but dig a little deeper right and and figure out why you're reacting that way because Mm -hmm. there's a reason there exactly and that's the thing it's like why why that defensiveness right why not open why aren't you open to the conversation or to the information that either is new to you or that you've resisted or rejected or what have you because there's a lot to learn out there right there's a lot to learn for everyone even me as a black woman i'm still learning you know what i mean i'm still learning now i mean it took um i mean i have a lot of life experiences around this but it took a lot of the crazy issues and the injustice that are happening with police brutality trayvon martin that ignited the whole BLM, BLM movement, you know what I mean? And everything around that to say, shit, maybe I was used to this because I just thought that's just how, how it's going to be. But we, we don't need to be used to anything. Even as a black woman, I, I don't need to be used to anything. And how do we strive for radical change? How do we yeah. work towards that? How do we acknowledge it? How do we correct individuals? You know what I mean? Um, when they're speaking to us or when they have um, you know, perspectives or views that, you know, fall within that, uh, realm of racism, you know, and, and, and it may not be that they're trying to come off that way, but you have to take a step back and say, how, how does this look on the other end, you know, mm-hmm. and that's, and that's for individuals that are willing to go there. And that's ideally the goal of all of this, you know what I mean? Um, so go ahead. I was just going to say back to what you're doing for your stepdaughter and stuff. Like, I just feel like, again, as stepmoms and as mothers and as family members and all that stuff, like having those hard conversations with the family and we're not even having hard conversations, just starting the conversation and, you know, bringing to light what's happening in that. I mean, to be completely honest, I'm not this. But I had a conversation with my husband and because things were really, really upsetting me and I was getting really saturated with everything in the media. And mm-hmm. you know, I went to a few rallies and um, I just, you know, was seeing really ignorant posts on social media and wanting to respond to all of them. <laughs> and I asked my husband, like, hey, like, let's talk about this. Like, I need some, I need you know, someone to talk about. And he was like, yeah, I don't really know. Like, and he just wasn't really affected by it. And to me, that was like, that's your white privilege. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like mm-hmm. you're not affected by it because your life doesn't depend on it. And I saw a meme and it just resonates so well that if a Supreme Court order hasn't, you know, been up involving your rights to live the life that you want to live, that's mm-hmm. privilege. Mm, mm. and it's like are you kidding me like that right there any person any especially any white person should be Mm. like oh and even women I mean our uteruses are always up for grabs as far as you know all the white men that want to be in them and have control over them so like just over and over again you know the the different ways that we can look at this differently um, I, I do want you to share if you feel comfortable, um, talking about your mother-in-law. Oh, <laughs> I'm always comfortable <laughs> talking about her, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, um, no, it's, it's funny. Cause the, 
people that have listened prior to prior episodes know the complexity of that relationship. But, um, you know, you and I were having a dialogue earlier and I shared something with you that I don't think I've ever shared. Um, for those of you that have listened, I'm in an interracial marriage. Um, obviously, my husband is not a black man or a African man. He's he's not. And that's not what I uh, focused on when I fell in love with him. I fell in love with whom he is. Now, is his the color of his skin and his ethnic background or his racial identification evident? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. When I'm in public, I'm a black woman and my husband's a white man. No, I mean, you know, and that's just visual perception by the public. Um, so you're, you're saying your husband passes as white? He does. Now, if he grows out his facial hair, which I mm. like, he, <laughs> he has more darker features. Um, but it, it just depends. I mean, um, some people view him and see he's Hispanic. I, I literally see both. I see because I know him and I see half of his mom and half of his dad. Um, but to the, um, to the naked eye when we're in public, all they see is an interracial couple and they see, um, an unfamiliar pair. They see, uh, or they feel discomfort or confusion or there's questions. There's just a lot of, there's a lot of staring. There's a lot of just, um, attention on us, you know, and, um, I firmly believe that if we weren't in, in, in our dynamic that, you know, maybe we wouldn't have that same attention. Or do you, do you think the location has a, has a, like where you guys are? Like if you were, you know, we're in the Seattle area, if you were like in, well, you guys went to, where'd you go? Well, we've, we've traveled yeah. to, are you talking about Miami? Yeah, you went to Miami and you said that you felt like in your oh, outfit yeah. and you were much like comfortable and with that. Like, yeah. 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 Miami, we've been to Texas. I mean, it just depends on what area. And there's some parts of Texas that, you know, and then there's some parts of Texas that I love. So we should leave it there. <laughs> but um, when we've traveled, I there have been some areas where you could just tell people are like, what the fuck is that? Especially. Mm -hmm. Because in Washington, I will say, I can't speak for other states because this is where I've been raised. In Washington, when you see interracial relationships, the, the number is higher for um, black men possibly to be paired with a woman that is not a black woman mm -hmm. versus the opposite. They're just, in, and my, my best friend and I are both in interracial relation, marriage where uh, we're the black woman and they're not, they're, you know, an opposite, um, you know, ethnic uh, group or, you know, he's European and, and there's my husband. Um, so, you know, it's just, I think it comes off as a surprising to individuals. Nonetheless, it, it takes some time to really just adjust and, and accept that because this is just our society and I don't give a fuck what they're looking at. Um, and I don't have a problem, you know, saying, Hey, how you doing? And that really makes people uncomfortable. Now <laughs> I know you're looking at me. Yeah. Okay. So come on, friends, and then you're looking, oh, they have rings on. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. You and I have been walking before. This is what I love about walking with you, and especially when we pass a black man. I'm just going to say this. Okay. I love walking with you, and we pass a black man, and then he, like, stares you up and down, and Gannett's favorite line is, don't you say, like, do you want a picture, or are you going <laughs> to... <Yeah. laughs> 
we'll take picture or how you you know or hey how you doing or what's going on it, it throws them off guard because they're like oh shit i got caught listen to look is one thing stare and gaze is a whole nother topic and that is just something i feel strongly about i don't care what color your skin is if i think it's rude i was taught like you know you can look at people people watch we're human but you just don't stare it's just you're just not respecting their privacy um and so i'm gonna go on my tangent about that because that's a whole nother issue but <laughs> um my mother-in-law mother yes when um my husband and i were first dating well we were dating and first getting serious about the relationship um and my mother-in-law is a Caucasian woman married to a Mexican man. So I thought, you know, she would understand, you know, a little bit about what it would be like to be in an interracial marriage, uh, interracial relationship, have biracial children. Um, so I would, you know, kind of jokingly vent to her because at that time, I, we both were still getting adjusted to the looks. And um, she would brush it off and say, oh, Gannett, you know, they're just looking at you guys because you're a cute couple. You're just a good looking couple. And I, I gave that a few different, you know, tries where I'd say, oh, that's, you know, that's nice. But that's sweet. But I just stopped saying things to her because I'm thinking to myself, you're not hearing what I'm saying or you're being dismissive of it or you're consciously ignoring it or maybe um, unconsciously ignoring what the message that I'm trying to convey to you. And then the message that I was trying to convey so that I could get input from her or just have the conversation is that people are staring at me and your son, not because we're a good looking couple. I mean, it's good looking couples all around. Okay. Look and keep going. There is a pattern that's happening. And this pattern is new to the both of us because this is the first time that he's been with a black woman. And this is, well, you can't really count high school for me. I was like 15. So I'm going to say this is the first time as an adult where I'm in a relationship. <laughs> a real relationship. <laughs> so, you know, just trying to get, um, get the conversation, get her input, maybe even get some understanding because. Bond he, with her, like have some, I'm pouring more wine. Hold on. Yeah, do it. <laughs> yeah. Like getting, have, like getting on, on a on the same level, right? Yeah, and saying, you know what, Gina, I, I can relate possibly. Maybe sharing a story or two, maybe having some sort of insight. What was that like for you as a white woman in um, a, a small county uh, that is not diverse, you know, very um, just inclusive into anyone that is particularly mm -hmm. of the Caucasian, you know, race. Mm -hmm. um, and saying it was a challenge for me. I know my father-in-law, he's a Mexican, but he was called derogatory racial terms. He was, um, she, you know, they were belittled and they were, you know, even to the point where she um, had a 20 some odd year gap with her own mother based on the, the, um, the race or the ethnic, uh, the ethnicity of my father-in-law, you know? And yeah. so, um, it's interesting to me because I don't know if that was her ignorance, whether it was her coping mechanism, whether it was her um, saying, oh, I don't see color, which is a fucking cop out. Yes, yep. you do see color. You know why you see color? Because you have children, one from a previous marriage and one from your current marriage. And are they the same, same color? No. And you need to acknowledge that. Right. And, and just to piggyback on that, 
I actually had to check my mom in saying this and she was like, no, no, no. I'm just saying that I don't see, I'm just, I see the person. And I had to explain to her this, I understand your sentiment, but by saying I don't see color, you are erasing the heritage, the culture that makes that person that person. And that is the problem. And, and when you and I were talking about this, I said, well, perhaps your mother-in-law quote, doesn't see color. And so she has essentially just seen your father-in-law and has kind of just like been like, erase, like, I don't see you. We're not going to celebrate your, you know, ethnicity. We're not going to, you're not going to teach our kids Spanish because Mm -hmm. your Mm -hmm. father-in-law speaks Spanish, but none of his kids do. Right. And it's like that right there is like the language of a fa- of a culture is huge and to completely omit that mm-hmm. from their upbringing like i mean my two best friends you and my friend julia mm-hmm. julia's russian she mm-hmm. all of her kids are growing up to be bilingual like it's like a part of who you are and even though you you know it's just so by saying i don't see color you aren't seeing their history, their ancestors, the beautiful things that have, you know, made them who they are. Yeah. And so I just wanted to talk about no, that. I, mean, I, mean, <laughs> I see that all yeah. over the place. Are crazy? No, people, people will say, oh, I, I don't see colors. Therefore, I'm neutral. Therefore, I see the person and their soul. I'm not racist. Heart, and I'm not racist in their brain. The first thing you see of someone is what? The outside of them, right? Their skin mm-hmm. color, their hair, their eyes, their whatever. That's the first thing you see. So you need to acknowledge that. That that does not mean that you need to lead with that being the uh, focus. You know what I mean? I don't need my husband to say, my black wife, my black wife, my black wife. See me right. as a black woman. I am your wife who is black. You know what I mean? Just like you are my husband who happens to be half white and half Mexican, right? Mm-hmm. However, when you see me and all of me, I am unapologetically an African-American woman. And so that means all of me. And so to see that and to see me means to see the color of my skin, you know, the curls in my hair, the Afro when I wake up and everything in between that. And so when your you head wrap, my head wrap, my, <laughs> you know, my music, my, my history, my experiences, my, my language that I see. I speak, which is not English growing up primarily. Um, and so when my mother-in-law has chosen not to see that of her husband, she didn't see all of him. She said, I love this man. He happens to be Mexican, but I'm just going to focus on this color. man. <laughs> right. Yeah, just this man. This man is a Mexican man. You yeah. know what I mean? With a Mexican family, with, with, with a culture and, 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 and a language that he uh loves and, and and that wasn't nurtured and you know i i could look and say you know what, what was his role in that because we have to take responsibility for ourselves too my husband knows what he knows my stepdaughter knows what she knows because of what i implement in our home you know yep. we're not going to walk around and avoid the fact that we are very much a diverse family so let's educate each other i don't know much about the Net- native american culture outside of what i've read you know and what i've learned in school and all that stuff so uh, raising a half native american child has taught me tremendous, tremendously about that, about that, about that ethnic group, about that population, about their own struggles and oppression and all that stuff. So 
we have to take this opportunity to wake up and say, shit, man. I mean, even some day-to-day conversation will teach you a lot. Mm-hmm. And I think if there's any lesson in this conversation, it's not, you don't need to sit down and have this, for me, sit down and have this formal conversation with a whiteboard or a piece of paper right. and a di- draw out a diagram. But it's just, um, like you said, diversifying the books and the material that these kids are exposed to the toys that they're, um, that they're playing with, um, the things that they might be watching on TV or what they're exposed to online, um, and having the conversation about what your life entails. You know what I mean? You can tell your daughter, you have a diverse array of not only family on your extended family, Christina, um, Mm -hmm. having, you know, cousins that are black and, Mm -hmm. um, biracial and all that, but you have a diverse array of friends. So how does that benefit you and how do you educate your daughter and say, this is, this is who I surround myself with. Mm -hmm. Um, and they, it's a rainbow of people, but at the end of the day, they're people and we all deserve to have the same opportunities, you know? And And I feel like as, as a white mom and, you know, just a white family in general, it's like, I, I grew up, I was a military brat. So I grew up, I traveled to Germany and I lived in California, Pennsylvania, New York, Georgia. And like I lived in all these different places and I was surrounded by other military kids. And so they were from all over. And I remember, you know, like, first noticing color really when I was with my like you said my I have black cousins I'm the only white cousin in my family and so I felt I was the odd one out and I was like why is my skin so fucking white (laughs) you know like and so I feel like I was just naturally exposed like my parents didn't really have to do too much to mm-hmm. show me that there were other people in the world that don't look like me. Mm-hmm. And now it's like taking account for where we live. And I notice the kids that are in my daughter's classroom and it's, you know, recognizing what can I do to diversify or to expose my child, children to, you know, different cultures and different, different things. And like I told you, I bought, um, my daughter, a little black baby doll, which yeah, by baby way, doll. is so <laughs> fucking right. Yeah. <laughs> it's so cute. And it was like, you know, because here's the thing, studies show kids start to notice different skin and different races and can develop racist, you know, type of mm-hmm. not racist. I won't say that can develop preferences and that in a way it's natural to be drawn to people that look like you right by the age of like 18 months or something like that Mm -hmm. and so to be completely honest I handed my daughter the doll like straight out of like we because this is um we were going to her doctor's appointment and um I checked the mail right before we went and I was like oh honey I have a surprise for you it'll help you it'll help you be brave at the doctor's office and she was like, this is a gift for me, gift for me. And they're like, yeah, honey. So I like pulled it out of the bag and I handed it to her. And it's this little doll. And it has like this little like blue with like floral like dress on. And my doll, she actually has a similar dress, ironically enough. And Nora goes, 
oh, we dress same. We dress same. And she like hugs her and she goes, I keep her safe at the doctor. I keep her safe. Yeah, that's cute. That's cute. <laughs> it's like, oh, yay. And anyway, um, so it's like little things like that, that it's like, I, I just, I feel like I just need to be more intentional with things. And I'm, you know, wanting that to be a part of her life. And I'm, yeah. I'm, yeah, so. Well, and sometimes it's just, it's just a natural occurrence, right? I mean, it's not, I buy my, buy my stepdaughter books based on what I think is going to be entertaining, but mainly educational for her, right? And some mm -hmm. of the books that I buy happen to have black kids on the front. Now, I'm not searching for the black kids, but I just buy them. And you know what? She's not saying, oh, that, that's a, that's, th that kid looks different. Mm -hmm. I just, you know, I think, I think for my stepdaughter, I'm, I'm happy to say that I introduced her early on. So she's exposed now. So she's, she's, she's open to the idea that she's around my family, she's around my friends, and there's a lot of color. Um, so when I buy her books about the first, uh, you know, African-American female astronaut and, you know, you know, May Among the Stars, for those that have not read that book or purchased it, it's, it's amazing. Or a little boy, I mean, I bought this book primarily because it was about bullying and it happened to be, you know, an African-American child, a, a little boy who was talking about his bullying experience and it's called bow ties, bully, bullies, bow ties, and brilliant Alex or something like that. But she, she's not like, oh, that's, that's um, do you have, I am enough? I am enough. I don't think so. Oh, Nora loves that book. Loves it. Yeah. It's like, and it's funny now because she, I've read it so many times that she like almost memorizes it. But anyway, it's a really, it's a really cute book. Um, okay. You have to look that one up. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, I think, um, you know, we just have to keep doing what we're doing and mm -hmm. that's the advice that I would give to, um, I mean, all, all moms or stepmoms that are wanting to really open their minds and be realistic about the things that are happening, you know, kids, the information, what we're dealing with is heavy information for kids and they're not going to be able to absorb it, absorb it. You know, um, I can explain to my stepdaughter what's happening when she sees protests on TV and we're watching the news and things like that, but she's not fully understanding it, but you've got to do it in kid language. Mm -hmm. And also, um, I don't want her to wake up at 13 years old and be like, what? My stepmom's black? <laughs> no, she's going to be like, oh, yeah, I already knew that. Mm -hmm. You know, I already know that. You know, she'll go to the store and she'll be like, oh, I think this looks good on you, mama, because you're a black woman. And I'm like, you're damn right. That's, I like that style. It's not even that I'm a black woman. I just like that style. But uh -huh. I also like her acknowledging that I am a black woman. I love it. Embrace it, all of it. And uh -huh. one day, should my husband and I decide to have an ours baby, she will have a black sibling. Mm -hmm. And so uh, it is up to me to educate, inform and nurture that because there will be a lot of difference between that child and her. And so she, in, in the best way I can, will be prepared for that. Um, and, um, and, you know, you just got to give kids what they can handle. And so we, we just have to talk about it. Mm -hmm. no? And I think, I think sometimes, uh, especially throughout this, I've gotten a lot of messages about like, well, how do you talk to your stepkids when the other side, so I guess by a mom, is an opposite stance? Mm -hmm. And I mean, I feel like that that is just 
a constant because if it's not black lives matter mm -hmm. it's covid doesn't exist don't wear a mask <laughs> so it's like it could be oh so many different things yeah it's you know and it i always have the same answer in that don't change who you are don't don't you know censor your message and if the kids have questions you know you're you're teaching kids, I always say this, you're teaching kids how to think, not what to think. So if they're saying, well, my mom says this, mm -hmm. then you say, well, what do you really think about that? Mm -hmm. You know, like, well, my mom says that, you know, this is all just, you know, whatever. Well, what do you really feel? Like, what are you seeing? What are you feeling when you see this? You know, um, what do you think is going on? And you take it, you know, the, the attention away from what their mother is saying. And you're saying, no, 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 you can take in what she's saying. But what do you think about that? Because that is, that is, that is growing up to be a human because you are constantly going to be taking in. Mom is no different than the TV. Mom is no different than your teacher. Mom is no different than your coach. You are going to have, and this is what I've explained to my, my stepson where it's like, you're going to have these people telling you what to think all the time. Yeah. But you have to decide what feels good for you and your heart and what you think makes sense. So yes, absolutely. There will be people in your life that you need to listen to and that you need to trust and believe in and whatever. But when it comes to certain things, there are different sides to it. And that's why I always point out of like, yeah, this is actually a hard topic that people are disagreeing on. What do you think about it? And yeah. it brings it again back to them and what their opinions are and how they're taking it in and less about you saying, actually, your bio mom is, is insane and she's shit. And actually, you know, you're not going to say all that, but you can have these conversations with them, even if they've been filled with misinformation or, yep. sorry, I misspoke, different information. <laughs> that was a little biased. Misinformation was <laughs> But you, you know, you can say like, yeah, absolutely. That is one side of it. Did you know that other people think like this mm -hmm. based on these reasons? What do you think about that? Yep. So yep. again, like this absolutely pertains to blended family life. This mm -hmm. absolutely pertain pertains to being a stepmom and educating your kids and being involved and, and all that. So, yep. And part of being a stepmom. It's not just what's happening in your day-to-day -day in terms of within your household, but what's, what's happening in your life and how that influences and impacts you and how that kind of trickles into the things that are going on in the home. You know what I mean? Once we exit our homes, we're stepmoms, we're wives, we're friends, we're daughters, we're whatever. You know what I mean? Coworkers and employees. And all, all of that, all of that. So when you encompass all of that, you have to think about what it all um, what it involves. And so, you know, we're, we have to have these conversations because we're in a role where we are responsible for tiny humans that are developing their ways, developing their views in life and their perceptions and their experiences, most importantly. And before they go to school, parents are the first teachers. They're the first people you, they fall in love with. Um, they're the first it's exposure to, you know, how uh, communication, how love, how relationships, you know, work, um, you know, so we're the teachers and, and we have to, we have to teach and, you know, that's, that's my thing.
Mm -hmm. I mean, I've had a teaching moment with my stepdaughter earlier today when I came from work because I wanted to mop the kitchen floor and she kept talking about cleaning and all this other stuff and how bio mom doesn't like to clean and people in the other house don't like to clean. But she likes to clean. Why her and I have that in common. And while I could go on in my own mind about bashing bio mom, I said to her, right. And I said, isn't cleaning, isn't it fun? It also makes you feel like you've accomplished something and also teaches you a lot of skills. So I told her, once you're older, you won't have to learn this. You're just going to be involved in how to care for your home and cleanliness. Cause you know, I'm in my realm right now. I'm like, yes, clean, you know, but we have this conversation about that. And again, this is a topic where Biomon would be on the opposite end. Yep. Nevertheless, it was a teaching moment and it was in casual conversation and the opportunity presented itself. So I gave my spiel. She heard it. She absorbed it. Whatever information she took from that, I can appreciate. Yeah. Yep. That's, that's all we can do. That's all we can do. Exactly. Yep. That's all we can do. So, oh man, I could go on for hours on wow. this. I mean, really, but. Um, it's like we haven't been recording for a while and we're just like, oh my God, hi, let's put out a three hour episode. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> But, um, I don't know any, I have, I mean, any closing remarks? I don't know. I, I mean, overall it's, oh God, I don't really know. I don't have anything profound. It's, um, I don't have anything profound, but can I just say this? Uh-huh. We are in a very challenging time. All of us, not only are we in a pandemic again, but we are looking for racial justice, social justice, awareness. So, um, Radical Stepmoms podcast. We represent everybody. We represent Black Lives Matter. We represent people of color. We represent equality, justice, and that's the message we have. That's LGBTQ, the LGBTQ, all the right. Oh, LGBTQ. LGBT, yes, everyone and everything. That's what I'm talking about. The rainbow that includes that is inclusive everybody. to everyone. Mm-hmm. And um, Christina, like I say, she's the guru behind the social media, and she will continue to represent both of our voices. And uh, whether we gain followers or lose followers, we will not lose sight of our mission and our beliefs and Mm -hmm. what we're striving for. And I'm so proud of um, us as a team and everyone that's stepping up. So um, it's not over. We're not even in the middle of it. We got to keep going. Yep. It's just the beginning, you guys. So, Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, we're still radical. We still got our radical stepmoms. Yeah. We got to keep it real. <laughs> so that's, that's my little long way of saying, um, you know, I love this platform and um, we, we keep it real per usual. Yep. That's all we can do. <laughs> all right. Well, um, that is going to wrap up. Uh, what is this? Episode 12. So as always, thank you so much for listening. Um Be well and stay radical. Stay radical, y'all. Be safe. Thank you for listening to Radical Stepmoms. If you enjoyed this episode, please give us a like in the app and share our podcast with your fellow stepmamas. You can also follow us on our Instagram page at Radical Stepmoms Podcast, or if you have any questions or ideas, we would love to hear from you, and you can email us at Radical Stepmoms Podcast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm.